Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. Oh, thank God for stabilizers. Mesdames et Messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society. The Olympic Games is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympic fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Hello, Allison. How are you today? I'm well, Jill. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm super excited because in the United States right now, um, the uh, Olympic trials are going on for curling, and that is the topic of our episode this week. And um, I'm really excited because I know curling gets a lot of grief, but it's a really cool sport. And I think once once you know it a little bit better, it makes it a lot more fun to watch and a lot more interesting than just watching people slide some rocks down the ice. Yes, and as, as I learned from my visit to the Nutmeg Curling Club in Bridgeport, Connecticut, it is a lot harder than it looks. Let's take a listen. To better understand curling, I knew I needed to see it close up, so I planned a visit to the Nutmeg Curling Club in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Before I went, I wanted to learn some of the lingo. I spoke to my sister Lisa, who was an avid curler. How do you score points? Score points, you get more stones in the house closer to the button than the other people. Okay, what's the house? The house is this, like a concentric circles, it's 12 feet wide. What's the button? The button is the center. Okay, and how many players do you have on each side? Four. Four. Do they have different jobs? Yes. Okay, so what are their jobs? First, second, vice, and skip. What's sweeping? What does it do? What is it? You you have a a broom. It's not heavy. It's a very lightweight broom, and it's not really a broom. It looks more like a Swiffer. And you rub it on the ice, and what that does is know it's just enough to make the stone go faster and straighter. So Mm -hmm. There's first... Second and vice. Right. Is that what you said? Okay, so what does it do? Throws first. What does the second do? Throw second. Okay, and you rotate. One person is, is throwing in the hack, and the other two are sweeping. You In the first six stones of an end, there's eight stones in an end. And okay, what's an end? And just like an inning. Okay. On the ice at the same time. Yes. First, The first two stones are thrown by the first, second and vice will sweep. Okay. Two stones are thrown by the second, and the first and vice will sweep. Now, what is the skip doing at this point? Skip is calling the shots, holding the broom. The broom is a visual target for the 
whoever's in the hack to throw at. Okay, so now I'm going to sound intelligent mm-hmm. when I go. I don't know about that. Armed with that, I was off to Thank God It's Friday League play. Four players on each team try to throw a granite stone weighing about 42 pounds as close to a target as possible. It is often called chess on ice for its complex strategy. Sounds simple, but curling is too popular for it to be that simple. I first talked with club members Ed Simia and Kelly Jensen Sembos. I asked what I should be watching for. People should watch, look for... um the athleticism in the game, which isn't always obvious. I mean, we're on a social night, so you have all types here. Uh, the sweeping looks incre- looks like they're doing nothing, and that's just because they are so good at it that they um, are putting more weight down on those brooms than you can imagine to warm the ice and make the rocks go a little further, a little straighter. Um, it looks like nothing, but if you go out here and try it, because we do a lot of learn-to-curl events, you find out very quickly that you are struggling to do it. And you know, it's it, the reason I started curling. Well, I came curl, and I came because I'm like, this is super easy, and I'm gonna be really awesome at it. So I'll just come. I'll do this quick thing, like two hours, learn about it, have a good time, just totally kick ass, and then you know, get it out of my system. And then I came and I did it, and it like looks very simple, and in some ways it is, you know, but. It's very difficult to be, you know, so for me it was like a challenge um, to get better, you know, when I wasn't able to like immediately be really awesome. Um, I was like, oh, this is like a lot more complicated, but it ends up looking really, you know, when you're really good, it looks, you know, like beautiful and elegant and simple. And um, so I really like just seeing, you know, I think it's like any Olympic sport, seeing people at the top of their game, you know, I mean, the strategy is really interesting and different than maybe what uh, I play here because they can execute a lot better. (laughs) Once players are done curling, they retire to the warm room for what is called broom stacking, eating and drinking among teammates and opponents. Even though I wasn't a curler, they let me join in. I was excited to talk to Mary Doyle, who, like curling herself, was born in Scotland. She had a few warnings for me about the dangers of the sport. Had a few, I mean, that, that's the other thing that people have done. It's very slippery out there. I mean, we've had people fracture their skull, break their wrist, cushion, yeah. You fall and you go to catch oh, yeah. yourself. Oh, no. Right. And you bang. Yeah. So that's why, like, Bobby, who's way down the other end, but she wears that band around her head. To, uh-huh. So if you fall on the ice, you're not Oh, okay. A bump. Okay. I mean, we've had a few times okay. that we've had to take people to the hospital. So clearly, not as safe or as easy as it looks. The ice is not smooth like a skating rink. It is pebbled like the skin of an orange. Well-maintained ice allows curlers to anticipate what will happen if they turn their wrist as they throw the stone or put more weight that is forced behind the throw. Richard Moore is a longtime curler and curling instructor. I started by asking him what is the hardest thing about throwing the stone. How much oomph do you give it when you come out? When do you release it? How hard do you kick out to get the rock to go? You need it to 
when they do the multiple takeouts, when they're able to throw a stone and the sweepers are able to do that and this preciseness of it that they can take and hit a rock and next thing you know, two or three of the opposition's rocks are out and their rock is there, it's all buried behind other rocks so the opposition can't get to it. The way, the precision that they can do that is getting an eight and What makes a good, uh, makes the team work? If you have to have a skip that's knowledgeable, okay. that uh, understands the game, understands what happens. You, you have to have a, skip, a vice, that uh, vice skip mm -hmm. that takes over, that understands. Good shot makers, good sweepers, and good throwers. And on any given night, and league play here is whatever it is. Right. Okay. Perfect. But, but as long as you can get people together that can sweep, throw stones, and have a grand old time, because it's not only curling, when you and the people you played against, you're sitting at the table afterwards, mm -hmm. sitting down and socializing with yep. them. You wish them good curling to begin with, and you wish them good, and you thank them for a good game after, whether you win or you lose. Perfect. Precision and camaraderie were words that I heard a lot. Curlers love to be good at the sport and love to have a good time. Nutmeg members Amy, Sarah, and Peter all shared with me what they love about coming to the club. I like the I like the fun nature of it, how you can play with a large diverse age range and groups and types of people and then come with them afterwards and I'll talk about your shots and you know the ice and how well you swept and the camaraderie I like that. Honestly, I'm, I'm in it for the, um, the social aspect. I'm, I'm not a very sporty kind of gal though my wife is um, so I'm primarily in it for the beer and hanging out. But it's social. It's um, it's it's challenging both, both physically and mentally. Curling is a very strategic game. Yeah. Uh, good enough that your strategy matters. Then it was my turn. I tried protesting that I am uncoordinated and likely likely to hurt myself, but they just told me to sign a waiver and get out there. Frank took me on the ice. I can't believe they're making me do this. Okay. Grab the broom. Grab the broom. Okay. Step on the ice. Step on the ice. It is ice. Okay. Hopefully we're not a video. No. This thing is heavy, isn't it? Turn it out and leave your hand in. Oh, thank God for stabilizers. <laughs> Why is it called a stabilizer? Because it stabilizes Cause it you. It stabilizes you. It appears to be hard. It's not really that hard. It's Once hard. you get used to the motion. It appears to be hard. This if you could squat hard. hundreds of people. If you, if you could squat like you catch it, you could do this. It's hard. It's hard. Let's go. Yes, we go. Okay, now we're going to have a fun. We're going to get it all the way down the house. Oh, Lord. Let go. Okay. We're trying to make it go all the way down. They're trying to make my go on. Hey! Well, I, st I stayed upright. Yay! That was cool! And there, I did it. I was curling. Well, sort of curling. 
As I was leaving, I noticed a sign posted all around the club titled The Spirit of Curling. These are the basic rules of etiquette. It reads in part, while the main object of the game of curling is to determine the relative skill of the players, the spirit of curling demands good sportsmanship, kindly feeling, and honorable contact. I left that night with a great deal of kindly feeling. All right. Thanks for that, Allison. And um, thank you to the Nutmeg Curling Club for letting Allison come in and <laughs> slide down your ice. <laughs> and they were they were fantastic. I cannot say thank you to them enough. And they do have lots of learn to curl and curling experience events. So I would absolutely encourage people to uh, visit their website and go and give it a try. Oh, absolutely. It was fun. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. And, and I know I also curl. I belong to, uh, shout out to Broomstones Curling Club here in Massachusetts. And I know for sure that a lot of curling clubs will be hosting open houses during the Olympics just to give people an idea of what curling is like. So uh, look for that in your area. And, and by your area, um, I mean, curling has really expanded across the country. I know that there's clubs down in the Carolinas and other places where you think of, and I think I think there's some out in like San Diego too. So even so in just, warm weather places, yeah, they're still curling. So check it out. It, it's always interesting for me to understand what it costs to do these sports. And I know we've talked about it with other places. Beyond the fees for the curling club, I just wanted to say that. This year, I broke down and I invested in some gear. I spent a few months. My first few months, I was just like, I don't know about this curling thing. I will just use the club gear and uh, see what I think. But this year, I broke down and, and bought my own gear. And I got a broom, which is... And for all of my gear, I got like middle-of-the-line stuff. I didn't go super cheap. I didn't go super fancy. But I got a broom, and I got a pair of shoes, and I got a gripper, and that ran about 270 in terms of dollars. So it's, okay. it's a little bit of an investment. It's I don't think it was a ton. I mean, you can buy gloves. Of course, a lot of people have gloves. I don't do that. And um, what else do people... A lot of people have stopwatches, and I have... <laughs> floating in stopwatches because I'm a roller derby official so that's that's not a big deal for me either but um yeah if you <clears throat> excuse me if you really want to get into curling you know you're and and you want to buy the gear you're looking at spending uh, a couple hundred bucks to just get off the ground but you know when I was there giving it a try they had everything I needed right to yeah. try it right so um, they, they usually have brooms and, and grippers and grippers for your uh, shoes, and they have little slider shoes for your yes. for when you have to throw a rock. They have stabilizers. Like you can buy a stabilizer. I just use the club stabilizers. I haven't gotten off of that yet. It's one of my goals to get to just use my broom so I can look like the Olympians do, sort of. <laughs> not, I'm not looking that good yet, but I'm getting there. Well, but... you look better than I did. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh it, man. It was it was interesting. Exactly. I, like I said in the tape, I'm I'm glad we are not a video. <laughs> Maybe we should be. Maybe we should <laughs> yeah, post no. some video. <laughs> Though I did I did post pictures on our website, so I mean on Facebook. Oh good. So, so check out our Facebook group for that or Facebook page for that. Yes. Right, Facebook page. Um and curling is surprisingly tough on your body. I mean, 
I am very sore. I have it just when I play, we end up doing about six ends, and that gets me really tired. Although I started lifting weights again, and I found that that's actually increased my endurance and my strength factor. The last the last game I played, I felt really good, and I realized, oh, it's because I've been doing some hardcore squats and strengthening my thighs and doing some ab work because you really have to be able to stay stable on the ice. It's yes. it's a lot tougher than you think. And speaking of tough, there's one guy we talked to when we went down to Team USA's Winterfest who is tufted out for several Olympics. That is John Schuster, and he's currently competing at the trials to go back again. And uh, we talked to him for a few minutes, so take a listen. Going for number three. Four. Or number four, number four. Um, how does it feel going for number four? Um, you know, it, it's funny. I, it feels similar to going for number one as uh, excitement goes. Okay. Um, but as far as, like, um, you know, I, I, I feel as ready as I've ever been. Okay. Um, I'm a first-year curler. Yeah? So, yeah awesome. Yeah, Where do you yeah. curl at? Um, uh, Broomstone's up in, nice. um, yeah, outside I, of Boston. Yep, that's yeah. where, uh, yeah, some of our... For like Monica Walker is on one of our ladies' teams from Root oh, okay. Zones originally. Okay. It's one of my really good friends. Okay, so, excellent. Um, where do you get the endurance to go as many ends as you need to go? That's uh, what's killing me. No, no I mean, honestly, like I was, it, it's for me, it's quantity, it's quality practice over quantity practice. Okay. So it's, um, but I mean, I've also made some huge health changes over the last four years because oh, I was, yeah? Uh, yeah, since last, I mean, I've. I'm like 30 pounds lighter than I was okay. going into the last Olympics, the okay. last two Olympics. So. Wow. Okay. Um, so what? What? Uh, what brought? What made the change? Well, I just I, I actually felt like at the last Olympics that I didn't uh, I didn't travel as well as I wanted to. Like I I thought that that getting in better shape would okay. would allow me to actually travel okay. and get over jet lag and, and deal with long competitions a little bit better. And okay. um, yeah, and we didn't really. Our, our national team kind of changed after that last Olympics, where it became now more of an expectation as well. Okay. Um, how was Sochi? Like, I mean, like getting there and. Oh, everything was. I mean, it was very Olympic. Every every Olympics has been honestly the same. Like. Oh really? Or when you're I... as an as an athlete, it's uh, it's a lot of grandeur, and we don't you don't end up seeing a lot of the other stuff that's getting reported. Like it's there's an Olympic village and everything. The village is great. Um, you know, the venues are all amazing and. Yeah, so I mean, it was very Olympic. And it was all in one place, which was kind of cool. We got to easily go to other events, oh, which nice. we haven't missed. Okay. In bigger cities, it's usually more spread out. So. Okay. Um, for curling, um, what would you want fans to know, like how to make them smarter watchers? Because people, <laughs> I mean, curling is kind of a weird rap. Yeah, you know, it's it's yeah. one of those, the, the thing that people can watch for and really to help them with curling is that just remember that the points are counted after all the rocks come to a stop. So you don't necessarily need to be the first, you know, you don't have everybody always like, well, why don't you throw it to the to the center of the target, which we call the button, right, right away. And, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily about getting there the fastest, it's about being there in the end. And I think a lot of it's, if, if people can just imagine that you're trying to position rocks, like that it's a, it's a chess game for the first half and, and building a field of play, mm -hmm. and then it's about getting there in the second half events. What is it like as Skip? Like, you've got to make some hard shots all the time. Like, <laughs> well, hopefully, if my team's making shots, I just have to make a bunch of easy shots. <laughs> but, but, you, you know, know, sometimes it's yeah. a really crowded, sure. you know, the, the, 
the house is all full, everything, and um, you got to thread the needle or something like that. Yeah, it's, so, it, I don't know. How do you prepare? Oh, like I, I mean, it, you just, the, the preparation you have is that in your, I mean, your your confidence to make those shots comes in your preparation. So, okay. and, uh, and I do that both individually, like in practice, and I'd also do that. Um, we work very hard as a team. We play in a ton of games, so we have opportunities to have those shots happen before you get to a big competition like an Olympic trials or World Championships or an Olympics. When you're putting together a team, what skills do you look for in each of your positions? You know what? I, it's, everybody needs to be able to do everything. I mean, um, each one of our players would be could be high, high level skips, thirds, seconds, leads on any team. So I mean, I just generally am looking for guys who are great players and. Or that, and and people that are driven, and uh, and really, um, you know, people that like being around. <laughs> like it's all it all makes is because every player affects every shot in curling. Um, the chemistry factor is as big of a part as as the you know as this as the actual skill set of of shooting the rock and sweeping the rock. Okay. Um, what do you wish the media would ask you, or how? or how they would portray your sport? Um, well, it's, I mean, I think, I think it's been getting better every, every Olympic cycle of, of the understanding and the portrayal. Um, the one thing that I, I think if media saw us more like, a lot more like professional golf, like, okay. I mean, when you look watching the PGA Tour, it's, yeah, it's something that everybody thinks they can go out there and do, but to, to do it at the level and with the precision and perfection that that we do it as athletes, I think, is takes, you know, obviously something more, and it's there's definitely a huge athletic component to that. Um, oh, I just lost it. Uh, oh, at the Olympics, do you guys do the winners have to buy the losers a drink? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um, and actually, even during the tour season, there's a you actually see all, with with a lot of these countries having now like almost professional players, you're seeing a lot less of the social aspect while the competition is going on than, than you used to when I came into the sport. Although That's we a good all, thing for the sport, but it's, does it take away from the camaraderie no, you're used to? Or like, absolutely no. not. We still have the camaraderie. We're all, we pretty much always are staying in the same hotels, playing in the same places. Like, you know, when the competitions get over and you're still around, there's there's still is you know, there's a socialization factor. And we're still social with the other teams. It just doesn't always involve alcohol anymore. That's all. One of the more fun aspects of watching curling is finding out what the Norwegian Olympic team is going to wear because uh, a few years ago they lost their, or not a few years ago, but a few Olympics ago they lost their um, clothes or their uniforms in transit and they had to replace them. So the Norwegians, you know, if you leave the Norwegians to their own devices, they're going to go crazy and so they went to loudmouth golf which makes these really loud crazy pattern pants and they outfitted themselves with some patterns and every olympics one of the big questions is finding out what they're going to wear so i'm really excited to see what they're pulling out this time yes and i also found out because this is team ulsred i hope i'm pronouncing his name correctly has a calendar so you can also see him without his pants Ooh, and what is yes. that? Uh, menofcurling.com. Possibly, um, some of the people at the uh, some of the ladies at the curling club were talking about that. I need to check out um, oh. the, the calendar. 
Yes, it is menofcurling.ca. Okay. And and I will tell you that the cover of it is a guy doing a side plank. This is one of the curlers. He has got um, one arm resting on one curling stone, and he's got the other in the air above him. And those suckers are 45 pounds. That's no joke. Um, and he is ripped like crazy. Hmm. Yeah, these, these guys are very athletic and very strong. And I shouldn't just say guys. The women are as, as well. Right. Incredibly so, strong. And uh, we should not be making fun of these curlers. Right. They are incredibly precise and uh, skilled athletes. And they have pretty fabulous pants. <laughs> that they do. That they do. So um, if you are in the United States, the curling trials will be televised. They are. We're kind of midway through uh, their tournament right now. They do a round-robin series, and then they're going to have some playoffs with um, the, the top winners of the round-robins. And right now, John Schuster is, as we tape... John Schuster is leading the rankings with his team. And then um, there's a tie on the women's side between Nina Roth and Jamie Sinclair. So it'll be exciting to watch if you have time. Definitely tune in and, and see what's happening. All right. And now it's trivia time. Oh, okay. Alice. Okay. What, yes. What kind of curling trivia can you lay on me? Okay. So as we've discussed previously, the first uh, Olympics that featured curling was Chamonix in mm-hmm. 1924. Yes. But which country won the gold medal? I'm going to say Great Britain. That is correct. Thank you. <laughs> and, and we're not going to Did you did you because, come across because that we, we have we yes, as as I did my research I came across that because I thought about that. Um but I would cuz I'm going to lay it a similar question on you. And we have been we have been worried that we're going to get the same question twice and we're mm-hmm. close. But since curling's return to the games in 1998, how many gold medals has Great Britain won? I mean like home of curling. I don't think That's they've won any. Incorrect. Oh. The women have won one medal, one gold in 2002. Oh, okay. But um otherwise it's been a lot of Canadian medals. The Canadians have yes. won f- uh, one, two, three, four, five medals out of out of ten. The Canadians are crazy for curling. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. Yep. I have a I have there. I have a Canadian on my team, and it's just kind of like, oh, hey, you learned how to play when you were a kid. Yeah, but there's... <laughs> <laughs> like that's just what they do, right? On a Sunday afternoon with the family for fun, which I, you know what. You could, right? And I would enjoy that. I'm trying to convince my family to to do a try curling with me. Oh, that would be fun. I think that would be fun. And then if anybody gets hurt, we can just all go to the hospital together. There you go. <laughs> I'm reading through all this. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. And so, oh and now that we're getting closer to the games, a lot more, we're just getting inundated with a lot of news. So we thought we'd spend some time giving you a few updates on, on things that will be kind of interesting to you, uh, the Olympic fan and viewer. First off, some big news out of the world of figure skating. 
Um, the Daily Mail reported that Olympic men's figure skating champ Yuzuru Hanyu fell and twisted his right ankle uh, attempting a quad lutz during practice before the NHAK trophy in Japan the other weekend. He's damaged some ankle ligaments and he's got to take time off, like serious time off. Um, I think they said like 10 days with with solid rest and then he can slowly come back. He's hoping to recover within a month so that he can go to the Olympics. And that's really rough news for for him. Yeah, that's his landing leg. So anything happening at this late in the game, um, that's – I feel so sad for him. We yeah. all know how I get upset when people get hurt. So that really makes rough. me sad. It's rough because he's – incredibly talented and it would be yeah. a shame if he couldn't compete at the games but hopefully yeah. you know he's still got some time so hopefully he'll be able to bounce back from this rest uh, up yes <laughs> um also um we talked a little bit about how ticket sales for pyeongchang have been a little light but uh dot com reported that a k-pop star named suho who's from the band EXO, he put on a Sue Harang ma- mascot costume, and that just start, uh, that started a ticket-buying frenzy for the Olympics, which, thank goodness, because that's much needed. And then, Because how cute, as we've seen, is Sue Harang. Oh, adorable. And, of course, people so just... So you mix cute mascot with, I'm sure, cute boy band kind of K-pop going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people go nuts, though. And, exactly. and how nutsy it like they sold eighty thousand dollars they sold eighty thousand suharang dolls in October alone. Which, as we said, you know, he's an adorable mascot. So we're not I would have bought one if I could find one. I, I, I want a suharang. I know. He's adorable. I know. If you've got a connection, let us know how we can get one through you because we would yeah. love to buy some mascot toys. You want the bear and I want the tiger. I know. It's so cute. I would take anything with a mascot on it, though. Um, The PyeongChang 2018 app launched for iOS and Android. I put it on my phone. Have you put it on your phone yet, Allison? I I have not, but only because I took so many pictures. I was a little short on storage. (laughs) Now that they're downloaded, maybe I can make some room for that. All right. Right now, the app is all Torch Relay stuff, but they'll have other content soon. What is weird to me is that um, it needs access. It, it What's not weird is that it needs access to your location and your storage, because I'm sure there's going to be some kind of feature where you can upload your photos to some element of it. But it also wants access to your phone. And I don't like the fact that it wants access to my calls. I don't huh. understand why they need that. So that's kind of weird. Hmm. That's it. Maybe it, to communicate with, I don't know anything about phones, so let me not speculate. Yeah, right. All right. What else is in the news, Allison? So we have, I have sad things. Of course, I, I bring the sad. Um, French downhill skier and Olympi- Olympian David Poisson was killed in a training accident. Uh, he was only 35. And he competed at both Vancouver and Sochi and was planning to take a shot at Pyeongchang. So that was that was pretty awful. Yeah, that's, so. uh, our thoughts are with the French Ski Federation and his family and friends. And that's just, that's really sad news. 
Yeah. And other sad news, uh, we talked about Team GB and their issues with bobsled last week. And pilot Donna Creighton has decided to retire due to uh, lack of funding. She was a skeleton athlete, and she was only 32. So she could have definitely uh, gone this time and possibly next time around. Yeah, yeah. And she transitioned from skeleton to bobsled. and. That cut in funding that we've talked about before uh, has really uh, hurt her. I mean, they she also tried to do a, a GoFundMe type campaign, and it just didn't get as much money. So sad to say her career is over. Yeah. And then last on the sad side, or at least troubling side, is uh, the World Anti-Doping Agency is having a meeting November 15 and 16 to discuss all the doping in Russia that came up before Sochi and Rio. Um, and they will be deciding whether Russia can compete at Pyeongchang. Right. So this so... be a, a big blow to the next games and a big blow to the Russian team. And it'll be interesting to see what they come up with and how Russia and other countries respond to them either being allowed or not allowed uh, to send athletes. Yeah, so we'll know in the beginning of December whether or not they will be allowed to compete in Pyeongchang. But on a happy note... So yes, on a much happier note, Ibtahaj Muhammad, who was a fencer uh, for the U.S. Olympic team, got her own Shiro Barbie. Uh, she, you will remember, was the first American athlete to compete in a hijab. She won a bronze medal mm-hmm, in, in Sabre. And uh, so she has her own Barbie, and it's quite beautiful. It is. It looks really cool, and she seemed really stoked about it. So congratulations. Uh, so I'm, ex- I'm excited. I might go. <laughs> and we were looking at the Shiro Barbies, and Gabby Douglas has a Barbie and several Hollywood stars. So I, I, I might get myself a Shiro. Nice. And on that note, that does it for us for another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in and please tell your friends and write some reviews for us on iTunes. That would really help us out. And we will see you back here next week. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Olympfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. Okay, so now I'm going to sound intelligent when I go. I don't know about that.